You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Hello, welcome to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Its purpose is to dissect horror films, both old and new. This latest season we've been dedicating to the late great Wes Craven and those that have been tuned in would know that part of that um, has been what we've been called the middle years. Um, I've dubbed it the nightmare years because we've been bookending it with um, a nightmare on Elm Street right through to um, his Wes Craven's new nightmare film. Um, which hopefully some of the podcasters out there um, who've been kind of listening to us along the way um, have kind of realised that we've done those particular films and we've been combining it with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which we are nearly at the end of. Um, we've just got two more to go. We've got the remake that is coming up in a couple of episodes' time, but we're going to get straight into, um, well, you know, Freddy versus Jason. You've, you've seen it on the, uh, the podcast episode title. Uh, and we are going to discuss uh, these two classic slasher icons going head to head. So, uh, but before we do that, I should introduce myself. I'm the lead host for the podcast series. My name is Saul Murte, and I am joined with a couple of uh, my colleagues here from the Surgeons of Horror team as we are pitting Freddy um, Kruger and uh, those who've been listening to us know that I've been joined by Oscar Jack for the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and he's joining us on board to discuss that journey with us to this pinnacle that is where we meet these two slasher icons so welcome board firstly to Oscar thanks for joining us oh it's very happy to be back and in the uh, in the bloody corner on the uh, on my right hand side uh, joining me in the uh, Jason Band Camp, as it were, is uh, Miles Davies, who's joined us um, because he went on that journey likewise for the Friday the 13th franchise, which we did um, a couple of seasons back. We've been kind of peppering it through along the way. And it's, it's hard to believe that we've actually, this will be our final discussion on the um, Jason uh, franchise, unless, unless they do get the law stuff sorted out and, you know, we do get to see Jason again. We don't know. We'll see. But welcome yeah. aboard, and thanks for joining us, Miles, for the for discussing this one. Yeah, thanks for being being on board. Yeah, it's um it's been an epic journey so far. It has been, it has been, and a fun journey. I, I think both of you will agree that both franchises have brought their element of fun to the equation. Um, uh, you know, some have been a bit hit, and some uh, some have been um, a bit miss. You know, some, but, some extreme but, highs, some extreme lows. Yeah, but I think I think despite that, the it I, I I could easily sit down and watch those films again, even though even the tragic ones. I I've enjoyed yeah. the journey on both sides of it. You know, so um, so before we uh, before we get into the Freddy. Uh, versus Jason film and, and discuss um, the or and dissect the plot line um, and whether it whether it stands true uh, whether you would recommend it um, to a modern going audience I mean because this is like oh, over 10 years now 2003 is when it came out um, so a long a long time ago that this one came out so um, and I'll ask that question when we get to the end of the podcast but before we get into that now I I've obviously kind of pigeonholed you two into the the, the uh, Freddy and or Jason areas, um, and that's merely because we've um, been on those separate journeys together. But 
for the sake of the podcast and this journey here, do you firmly sit into those um, those areas? So, Oscar, like I, I've slammed you into the Freddy Krueger journey and um, and that franchise. Are you a Freddy man or are you a Jason man? Well, I think I think I am a Freddy man. I think I had seen just slightly more Nightmare on Elm Street films than I had of the uh, the Jason Voorhees. Uh, the Voorhees family uh, uh, <laughs> franchise. Um, I think I've only ever actually seen the original first part. Yep. Jason X and Freddy oh, versus wow. Jason. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to going back uh, and listening, uh, uh, listening to the podcast as I, I go through and uh, watch uh, and fill in all of those blanks of the uh, machete-wielding uh, maniac. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would recommend some, and I think Miles would agree with me here. Like, even like, um, I think we're both fans of uh, Final Chapter and uh, New Blood, off the top of my head from memory. Yeah, there's, um, a, there's a couple. It's like part one's good, obviously, it's, it's a classic. And yeah. um, was it uh, episode seven with the telekinetic girl? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure that was the New Blood one. Yeah, I yeah, we both like, like that. So, yeah. yeah, it was like carry mix with um, Friday the 13th. I know, it's kind of cool and it, and it works. Um, so, so Miles, um, obviously, like as, as I've said, likewise with Oscar, like I've pushed you into the uh, Jason camp. Are you a Jason man or are you a Freddy man? Oh, uh, look, I, I, I used to be a bit of both. Yep. And I mean, I started off with the original sort of franchise of Friday the 13th because that was pretty much the very first slasher horror film that i ever saw mm-hmm. on video we got a video recorder when i was about 13 years old back in the the early 80s and and my dad said so what, what, what films do you want to do you want to watch uh, <laughs> when we went to the video store and we we're like me and my sister was like okay and when we were like i think i was 13 she was 10 i said uh i said watership down she said friday the 13th and he went Fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> and so, what a combination! Yeah, <laughs> that's a double feature and a half yeah. together. And so, so we watched them both. And then Friday Thirteenth, I was just horrified by, but mm. fascinated by. So we got that out the next week and the next week. And the cool. Next week. I can't so, believe yeah. you, I can't believe your dad made you watch Watership Down. That's horrific. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that's it's terrible. A- Terrible. Um, so yeah, so that's been been my Friday the Thirteenth and Jason's been my original sort of you know horror franchise essentially. Yeah, yeah. And I then, like a few years later, uh, Freddy Krueger came around, and and that was pretty spectacular as well. Yeah. So, yeah. See, um, I, I and I and I sh- I've shared this journey with the listeners out there and with Oscar, but I I do remember the first time I watched a, a Nightmare on Elm Street, and mm-hmm. I, the whole kind of um, for me, Freddy was so iconic of the boogeyman and the fact that he could come out of your dreams. And I, you know, I, I used to like playing make believe with my friends and stuff and we would run around like pretending Freddy was chasing after us and we'd yeah. scare the fucking shit out of ourselves. Um, so for me, that the Freddy image is, is very different to my, the, my journey into Jason and, and, and his films. I, I yeah. think, I think if I'm going to be honest, I prefer the Jason journey. Um, but I do kind of like elements of Freddy. You know, I did, there are like, particularly the first one hands down. And as, as I discussed with Oscar, the yeah. Chris Craven's new nightmare, I just love that take. Um, oh man. Twisting just, that up. That's, you know? that's just, yeah. it, it almost doesn't belong in the franchise. It's that good. It's yeah. like, like, it's, 
sort of way ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's such a, it's such a good movie. Horror film. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, and that's and I guess that kind of lends lends itself because like uh, it's going back a couple of weeks now. But I was running like a delivery running a, a movie battle off between the Freddy films and the Jason films, mm-hmm. and I uh, had admitted. Um, uh, the first Friday the thirteenth because it's not a it's not a Jason vehicle, um, mm. so and I feel like I dropped one of the other Jason ones the one where where it's not him um, and I think I think it's the fifth one yeah um, that's right yeah. so I did that because he's not really it's you know it's not really him either so um, but basically like yeah so it was in- it was interesting watching it and people's reactions to it because I put part two against the original Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, the original Nightmare mm-hmm. 1. I had part three against Revenge and part three one for Jason. Uh, and then Dream Warriors beat Final Chapter, but just very, very close one, that one. And then we had Jason Lives kind of uh, slammed Dream Master, then New Blood slammed Dream Child. So by this point, Jason was taking a firm lead. Um, and and I want to say take Jason Takes Manhattan kind of, one as well um huh. new nightmare kind of uh knocked out final friday so he freddie did try and claw his way back in but um the remake uh went the remakes i should say the battle off went to jason again so jason kind of actually one hand uh one overall so it was, it was interesting some of them were very close but um yeah it was kind of it was kind of fun for me to watch that and see how the people thought and yeah, their views and stuff was was interesting. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed doing that. So I'm, I may do another one of those down the track. Um, so where does that leave us now? Okay, so uh, Freddie versus Jason. Then, so like, uh, uh, let's let's start talking about that film a little bit. So as I said, it came out in 2003. We had um, we had Ronnie Yu coming in as the director. He was responsible for Bride of Chucky. And uh, the bride with white hair—they're probably like two of his bigger known films. He hasn't really done much outside of that, really. Um, he did the Fifty First State with Samuel Jackson, which I'd forgotten about, and yeah, that was all right. he worked on Fearless, the Jet Li film as well. Oh yeah, um, Bride of Chucky was quite good actually. Bride of Chucky's good. good. Yeah, like, I see. I like see Chucky to me is, is a the series. Some people kind of hate Chucky, hate on Chucky a bit too much. I think he's just he's just so tongue in cheek. You just yeah, you got to roll with that. Like I think they're fun, fun. Although film. I did try and watch the remake the other day, and it was absolute garbage. Like, yeah, I know it's crap. Yeah, this is complete shit. Yeah, no, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Uh, yeah. So uh, what was I going to say? A couple of other facts around it is that uh, of the Friday the Thirteenth series. Freddy versus Jason has the highest. It was the highest-grossing film, um, and it was the second highest in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. The um, they did try, and there was an original attempt to try and pit these two guys together, um, but it failed to gain momentum due to poor box office, uh, which came from Jason Takes Manhattan, and. Um, and initially, they uh, were touting around having Pinhead cast as a potential further crossover at the end, which oh, obviously yeah. didn't come about. Uh, I, the big thing for me, which may be a point to discuss as we go through the movie, is that this doesn't feature K-9. 
Kane Hodder as Jason. Uh, he was mm. iconic with the role of playing Jason for the last four films leading up to this one. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, uh, Miles, but I'm, I, I'm happy for us to discuss that as we start kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of the film. But that was something that really struck me, and I'll, I'll, we'll discuss that as we, as I said, as we get get into the the guts of the narrative, as it were. Before we do that, I always do this with the podcast. I just open up and ask both of you. I'll go with Miles first. Um, what when? Do you remember when you first watched Freddy versus Jason, and how long ago was it? How fresh is it for you? Um, I don't really. I um I mean I was I was I'd been waiting for it so I kind of knew that it was coming and um so I was just kind of I was interested to see what they would do and I I, I mean that's in the trailer as well and it looked interesting and looked fun mm. so uh it just looked like another you know a, a bit more of a mainstream version of cuz Jason gone so underground with he pretty much the last couple of films that he'd done it was strictly for the fans of the Friday the 13th uh, uh, franchise. Mm. And then this one was a bit more sort of, you know, it's cashing in on the teens uh, in a horror situation type thing. You know, they even had what one of the Destiny's Child chick, chicks in it. So it was just like, I, know. <laughs> I guess, big budget uh, teen slasher film. Yeah. Yep. Hopping off, off the, obviously hopping off the back of... Um, uh, the Scream franchise and all of the resurgence in like teen horror films. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was just super interested to see this match up of the two of them together. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, that's right. Um, but I didn't, I didn't get, didn't go and see it at the cinema. I saw it on, on I think I saw it on DVD or something. So. I'm pretty sure I did because I'm harkening back to 2003. That was actually the year I came out to Australia. Um, towards the end of that year, so. I definitely didn't catch it before I came out to Australia. So I'm def- I'm thinking that I may have caught it um, fairly later on, you know, like on DVD, like you said, or, or a rental or something. I, I'm not, I would, I, see, I, I always forget when I first watch movies, I'm, I'm so immersed in, in the horror, horror films that I just, I, there's a, there's a rare occasion where I've gone to see a movie and it's had an impact on me that I kind of, that it sits with me, you know, like, uh, mm. I can like, I guess they're more fresher films, but like that happened to me when I watched Midsummer. Um, that happened to me when I watched uh, Raw, um, and it happened to me when I watched The Lighthouse. They're they're the ones that kind of came out, but they're very kind of left of center horror. You know, they're not they're not mainstream like this one is. So it's um it's it's interesting that I don't recall when I first watched it, but I'm pretty pretty sure it would have happened. Like 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 you, it would have been, and they may have even caught it caught it um, at Foxtel, to be honest, when it came around mm-hmm. on the you know the box office stuff. Because um, I uh, my earliest role there was that I was I was working in the creative department there, and for that sometimes we worked hand in hand with the box office team promoting stuff. So I'm pretty sure I, I ended up watching it through there at some point. Uh, so. Oscar, what about you? What was uh, when did you first? I mean, you were mentioning how for the Jason kind of stuff, you've only actually watched a kind of small handful of these films, but Freddie versus Jason was one of those. When did you first encounter this film? I think I, I caught, uh, I would have caught Freddie versus Jason a couple years, a couple years after it had come out. I think I, it was playing on 
was playing on the uh, on pay TV and I uh, on one of the movie channels and I I caught it and I think I was kind of mid mid teen uh, watching it like revisiting now it just kind of gave me so many painful flashbacks it's it's so <laughs> like two thousands um, it is me yeah. and and and, it, I, and I remember absolutely like absolutely loving it because it is that it is you know that 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 thing that teen horror is where it is this, this like gateway, I think for so many people, um, uh, uh, kind of throws them in and you kind of, you know, you see it and you, you have those brain receptors kind of, uh, uh, uh firing off against, you know, the, the, the horror and the gore and the nudity and all, all of these kind of primal, uh, forces. And then, Afterwards, you kind of realise that maybe there are more refined uh, experiences of this uh, mm-hmm. than just uh, your kind of basic uh, cash grabby uh, teen, uh, you know, kind of lowest common denominator. Get a, get them all in. Get everyone in on the dates. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah. definitely. It was definitely one of my my early early kind of uh, 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 first kind of hooks into me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, no, I remember having like very kind of fun, mem- fun memories of it, even though, you know, I knew like an early girlfriend, you know. Yeah. It was a yeah. coming of age kind of experience. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, so I'm kind of liking where you're going with that because I'm, I mean, I, uh, I don't mean to talk about age um, so openly, but I know that you're, uh, younger than Miles and I, um, and for me, I guess the screen period was was my coming of age kind of period. You know, like so the whole Kevin Williamson kind of screenwriting section. So like I I know what you did last summer, and and mm-hmm. and even the craft kind of falls into that. You know, from twenty five years ago now. So that that's kind of like. I guess that was the point where I was quite happy to sit in that team. And, you know, Halloween H2O was also in amongst that. Again, Kevin Williamson yeah, heavily right. involved in that. So I, I get I get what you're meaning with that, Oscar, is my point, because I guess that's that would fall in line with where you're coming into that early 2000s. So probably Final Destination may fall into that category for you as well, I guess. Yes, ab- um, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of frosted tips. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Cool. Well, that's kind of cool, uh, catching that kind of uh, different perspective as, as we come through it. Uh, so let's, um, let's, let's start kind of tacking into this um, film and discussing the plot line. Um, I'm going to kind of it – was, it was a while ago since I watched it now, admittedly, because we, uh, for the listeners out there, we've been trying to tee this one up for a little while. Um, and you think, like, seeing as we're in lockdown, it'll be easy, you know, but, yeah, not so easy, not so easy. But we're here, and we're finally here to kind of uh, dissect and discuss this film. So let's, let's, uh, let's delve into it. Let's look at how it opens, very much from Freddie's point of view as we kind of come into this film straight off the bat. We have him supposedly trapped in hell, um, and he is at a point where he is embittered with the parents of Springwood, um, who um, who have basically kind of kind of shut him out. He's he's finding it hard to tap into the world, uh, the real world that is, and uh, and find suitable victims because 
Um, people are the kids are forgetting him. They're not remembering who Freddy Krueger is. So he's stuck. So he tries to think of how he can get into that world by another means, which is then where we find him. Um, but yeah, so he wants to f- people to fear him again. So he finds uh, Jason, who we last would have seen at this stage in Jason. Um, uh, Jason is also in hell. Um, and he basically disguises himself as Jason's mother, Pamela Voorhees, to convince him to rise again and go to Springwood to basically start kind of killing teens. And the idea behind that is that um, Freddy will get blamed again and so his name will rise up once more and people will once again fear him and then he can start killing them uh, in the dream world once more. Before we get into the rest of it, what do we think of Freddy's plan here? Is this a bit of a half-baked, far-fetched kind of idea, or did you buy it? Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it clearly is half-baked, but, I mean, (laughs) why he needed to try and get somebody else involved? He obviously wanted somebody to take, take most of the the flack and then he mm. was going to ride in on on his coattails and and become the big sort of you know uh it was almost like the hare versus the tortoise type race yes. you know. uh so you know got lumbering old jason ro- slumbering on in slashing people up yeah. and then he just races it on the finish line and and it becomes a big nasty hero so mm. i don't know yeah I, I mean, like, for me, it, it bodes the question, like, and um, I might throw this back over to Oscar, but it, it bodes the question about, like, and I forget which one it was, and you may be able to remind me, but there was a line that Freddie says that there's, an Elm, there's always an Elm Street somewhere in America, right? Um, yes. So why, why then do we have to be pigeonholed into Springwood? Why can't we just make up an Elm Street somewhere near Camp Crystal Lake? that's off off the beaten track to then be able to do this why does is is springwood that necessary do you think to to the film structure or not probably no no, not to the film structure itself but uh like that line was uh was i think final nightmare no um and that just wasn't as successful as some of the others Uh, so (laughs) it really wasn't so you know they were like yeah let's let's you know they like it they like springwood they like that you know uh, la shot for for uh for springwood um and it's it, it like like this movie does have so much um uh so much kind of uh, uh, like meta narrative, kind of like the the, the leftovers of, of Scream and even um, New Nightmare um, of this kind of because uh, uh, like you know I don't think New Nightmare was like that massive a smash hit. So no. Freddie did need someone to to do literally what he does into this movie. Yeah, like he, yeah. he wasn't going to be able to come back by himself. Uh, but if you put two of the, you know, the big slashes together, then he's got a chance. Now the kids are going to remember him, yes. uh, you know, who are, who have stopped playing with Freddy knives, Freddy Freddy gloves, and um, and you know, Jason masks and all of this kind of stuff. It's just this kind of uh, uh, it's, it's this real world parallel because you know we start still with we start with yet another 
uh, recap. We get to see him. We yeah. get to see his death. We see him. You know, it's it's a real classic Nightmare on Elm Street uh, opener. Um, and we kind of get both of their classic openers. We you know yeah. we get his, and then we when we jump into Jason's uh, Hell Dream, um, because you know we're not really used to seeing uh, that much nudity in Freddy films. No, true, um, yeah. but. But when this this big uh, fake breasted uh, buxom lady starts running around, you're like, okay, this this definitely <laughs> feels like uh, uh, doesn't feel like a Friday movie. It feels it feels like a, we're just dropping into a, uh, a, a Friday the Thirteenth film. Yeah, and I, and I guess I, that's the thing, isn't it? They've got to they they have to merge these two worlds together somehow, and they have to get to it really quickly so that you know people are, people just. People that are wanting to watch this, who have been gunning to watch this, just want to see the two powerhouses go head to head. So you've got to try and, from a script writing point of view, you've got to try and just, as I say, get get straight to the nitty gritty and, and get stuck in. So, um, and I kind of like the idea of it, you know, the, <laughs> adding the kind of the the nudity kind of element to it. Uh, played really nicely into those that um, would satiate the the Jason. Uh, band camp there to kind of you go oh yeah this is feeling more like a bit more jason because we've started so heavy on the other side of things which is kind of interesting so when we then kind of pick up we uh we basically get uh jason arriving at elm street uh he sneaks into the house where um we have nancy thompson and jesse walsh um who and their house where they used to live so the iconic house in elm street and it now is owned by uh, Laurie Campbell and her widowed father. And Laurie and uh, so Laurie uh, is uh, played by Monica Keener in this one. So she's our token heroine character for this journey. And we then, um, yeah, so we're basically kind of following her primarily and her friends. Um, and her friends being, we have. Yeah, we've got Kia. I'm just trying to remember which one of these is played. Yes, Kia was played by Kelly Rowland. So to go back to what you were saying, Miles, about one of the Destiny's Child uh, characters. Um, yeah, so we have Kia played by her. We have uh, Gib. And we also have Blake and Trey. Um for me, the big thing there was that Gib is played by Catherine Isabel and I had a massive token crush on her since Ginger Snaps. Um, and so, that was a great film, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 and American Mary that she was in a... Oh, that was a nice surprise. I'd forgotten, yeah. I'd forgotten she was in this. That's exactly I like, what I was oh, about to say. Really yeah. yeah. I had the same reaction, Miles. I kind of went, oh, my God, yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I started loving her and her character uh, all the more. I'm, yeah, I'm wanting to sustain yeah. it as long as possible. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of fun to kind of see her um, in that role. Um, so where was I going with that? So, yeah, so we kind of get into the usual. We get introduced to these kind of people, Gib and her. Uh, Gib is a bit of a stoner. Um, and I, I think, is it Blake that's her boyfriend? Um, he's a bit of a, you know, the token jock kind of character. So they're kind of very easily falling into these stereotype characters at this stage. Um, and, um, but this is where we get, um, early on, we get the flip 
of the um, opening of A Nightmare on Elm Street, First King, where mm. instead of the female character being killed, this is where Trey gets kind of brutally murdered by Jason coming in um, with the uh, machete and then quite finally being bent in half uh, with the bed <laughs> while Catherine Isabel is in, in the shower in the other room. Um, but, you know, they did have sex, so, you know, one of them had to die pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Number one rule. Um, and then we get, um, so basically off the back of that, so there's been, a you know, obviously the death and the police turn up and all the people are uh, questioned over the killing of Trey. And one of the police officers, uh, there's like a sheriff and his offsider, kind of one of them mentions... Freddy Krueger. So, so already it looks like Freddy's plan is coming together with the word kind of slowly being spread out there. Mm. Uh, at this point, Laurie falls asleep and this is where she has a dream about Freddy. So it does, she's quite susceptible for somebody that just slightly overhears a name um, for then Freddy to go, ha I'm going to, I'm going to use you as my guinea pig to kind of get into this world. Oh yeah. There's <laughs> lots of uh, this. I, I, with, with, how much they're kind of uh, they need to do in this movie. Mm. There is a uh, almost shocking amount of exposition. Um, yeah, like really more is. than the first half. It's just constant. You know, we get out for you know in the opening, Freddie's talking to camera, telling us all about you know where he's from, what he wants to do, yeah, you know, all all of that kind of stuff. And then he does it again with Laurie, and then you know when uh, what, are the, what are the guys called um, Mark they- and. Uh, Mark and Will. When Mark and Will come out, there. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, there's just it's just constant, constant exposition, which <laughs> really kind of surprised me um, because I'm just like, no, we get it, we get it. It's Freddy and it's versus Jason. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we need that much explanation. <laughs> I don't. It does. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess like uh, it's tricky, isn't it? Like, you're, you're trying to merge two very different uh, types of films together you know like freddie has always been leaning more towards that kind of camp terrain um and very tongue-in-cheek yeah you think they were overthinking it though like i mean in the past Mm. it's always been like um you know a dog pisses on on the great bones of freddie and suddenly (laughs) he comes back to life or or you know a, 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 a shovel is struck by lightning on the bones of jason and he comes back to life it's just these things happen yeah and, and mm-hmm. you go okay so so they're back to life now because that happens in a horror movie they just couldn't do that they did i think they, they thought oh we've got a much more clever audience coming into this yes. like no no fuck it. just just suspend our disbelief we don't give a shit you yeah, know you yeah yeah i come into people's dreams for christ's sake just take <laughs> life and just go <laughs> Think for the, the fences, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. I think... Go on, uh, uh, As we kind of... Um, we go into it a little bit more, um, I think what it could have really benefited from was a, was a third party, not necessarily like mm-hmm. a, a pinhead or a, you know, another kind of iconic uh, character, but like, you know, like give us like a satanic cult, you know, who, who, who kind of bring them through, you know, some other like antagonistic force or, mm. or, or collective or character, which is kind of what Laurie's dad almost becomes. Mm-hmm. He almost becomes this kind of third party. And I think that's like, that's the spine that you, that you use. Yeah. 
to have the rest to have those other two kind of uh, come into it all. You know, you have something that 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 you have something kind of meaty in the middle for them to get in between. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, I think I agree with you there, Oscar. There is it is missing that internal uh, ingredient. But then, I wonder if part of that they would have been worried too much about going into cult territory. Um, perhaps I mean, like you know, this is where maybe I mean I know this is we're going into iconic character territory a little bit again, but maybe this is where Ash Williams would have served interesting, mm. um, particularly with the you know the nod to. Um, and Miles, I need your assistance on this one, but the nod to um, whichever one it was where uh, it was the Book of the Necromon is hinted at and the fact that he, uh, Jason, could very well be um, uh, one of the walking dead deadites. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that could, have, that, that could have lent favorably to what you're suggesting, even if it wasn't Ash Williams, but... If it was in that world, that could have made it an interesting uh, journey. You know, somebody discovers the Book of Necromon, for example, and then that's how these kind of characters come out. I don't know, spitballing. Um, Yeah, it would have been interesting. Okay, cool. At this point, we have... Um, yeah, so one of us falling asleep. Oh, yeah, so Laurie's falling asleep, and uh, this is where she dreams about Freddy. Um, and this is where he gets his powers back. Freddy then tries to attack Blake, but he's unable to harm him. Um, and so he decides to just you know have a, have a little rest for now and let, let Jason have some fun. Um, and this is when then Blake wakes up to find his father has been beheaded. Awesome, awesome shot. Um, sitting next to him, and in a moment is uh, later is then killed by Jason. Uh, at which point the police uh, uh, avert suspicion to Freddie again, um, claiming that um, that it was actually Blake that killed Trent and his father, and then killed himself. So, as much as Freddie's trying to get his hooks in, it's not working quite as well as he's planned. Yeah. So, what did you did you like that whole beheading scene with the with the dad? Did that kind of was that a kind of a a, a, a good moment for you guys, um, Miles? What did you what did you take on it? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I know you're a good fan. I mean, I know you're a fan of head explosions in films, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was still kind of funny to have the head and the blood squirting off the top. I thought. Um, yeah. How about how about you, Oscar? How did you how did you treat this kill? Uh, I I I enjoyed it, uh, but it you know pretty brief. Um, I think I I I prefer um, even though it was even briefer. The the first kind of moment out of the opening where where uh, where uh, one of the teens throws his cigarette out the window and it just hits Jason in the mask. Uh, Uh, He's just standing outside of the window in the rain. Yeah. Um, I, I. even now, the most recent watch, I'm just like, that's great. That's great. That's, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, you love those little uh, moments, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, all of those little, <laughs> those yeah, yeah. little moments of just, of, of, like, that's the kind of uh, meta stuff that I like, that kind of dramatic irony of, like, yeah. Yeah. we know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, so as we pick up in the uh, storyline, um, so now Laurie starts having these reoccurring dreams about Freddy. Um, she tells Kier and Gib about it, um, and then she's reunited with her boyfriend Will, who has um, been institutionalized in the Western Hills Asylum. 
this happens to be the same asylum where um, Freddie was born um, as well. So that has that kind of linking to it. And, um, and along with Will is his best friend, Mark, who's also was in the asylum as well. And they've heard about the murders that have been happening in Elm Street, so they decide to have a breakout and they succeed. Uh, and they, uh, we then get the rave party scene, which is in some kind of random cornfield. So talking about your, we at the moment are in lockdown um, and self-isolation zone. Um, this is the sort of thing that, you know, those reckless teens, they've been warned, there's been murders out there, but they still decide to go ahead and have a rave party in the middle of a cornfield. Um, and I look up God, a friggin' virus. <laughs> That's it. Um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we have this scene. We, we pick up with the Gib character again. So that's Catherine Isabel's character as she falls asleep while she's under the influence. And she has a dream where she's being attacked by Freddy. Um, after he uh, took the form of her deceased boyfriend, Trey, to kind of basically lure her into a trap, into one of those... It's not a silo, is it? It's one of those kind of... Mm, I don't know what you call it. Like It's a, it's a place where they store grains, essentially, and it suddenly kind of soon forms the boiler house kind of look and feel that Freddy has, um, you know... Uh, become synonymous with as he then is stalking his prey uh, and he's really hoping that Gib will be his first victim um, as this is happening uh, we have um, another raver who just random dude sees passed out um, Gib on the floor and basically attempts to rape her uh, at which point Jason appears uh, behind them and uh, basically kills the two of them and in doing so, uh, that's the end of the Gib character and she's snapped out of the dream world where Freddy was trying to kill her and he's pissed because Jason's got one of his kills. Uh, did you like that moment, guys? Was, that, was this whole kind of build-up kind of cool? Did that kind of add fuel to Freddy's kind of, uh, again, this plan to try and lure people in? Did the seed there work with him starting to realise that it may not have been the best ideas to pick Jason to go around killing people. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to send a, you know, mindless homicidal maniac to, to go and do what you want to do. So, yeah. so you know, he's going to do what he is, is in his tiny little pea brain. Psychotic <laughs> tiny little pea brain. And that's just slash, you cool. know, promiscuous kids up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Send I feel like the... Um, Having the the uh, I mean, like, is it really? It's what we need. It's 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 it's. And when we first start the movie, we're you know kind of wondering where the verses is coming into. So this is where the competition starts coming in between them. You know, where he's screaming that she, you know, she's mine. You know, um, uh, uh, which is like you know a good position for Freddie to be in because he can complain. He you know he's the <laughs> he's the one who can speak. Um, uh, even though it's kind of the um, the like yeah the early 2000s kind of rapey dude kind of come in is kind of like watching yeah, yeah. it watching it now it's just kind of like oh yeah this is like like another one of the remnants of like the 2000s where 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 the just a lot of that kind of vibe that doesn't have the um because the movie is uh kind of for for lack of a better world so polished and kind of mainstream yeah, yeah. it doesn't have the kind of the gritty kind of 
a, a terror of like kind of earlier decades and when they would kind of have um, like uh, uh, elements of kind of uh, uh, kind of rapey elements coming in with horror films. Yeah. In this one, you kind of like, oh, okay, it's this is just it's going like he's definitely going to die. We know he's going to die. Yeah, yeah. We know what we know what movie we're watching. Um, but it's a little uh, 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 icky, little icky. Yeah, it's, it has. Know, yeah. In a similar way of what. Um, uh, I don't know, kind of bringing, like, even though Jace, uh, sorry, Freddy has always kind of had um, this predatory kind of vibe in most of his movies, you know, lots of, like, tongues coming out and putting them into into people's mouths and that kind of stuff. But they didn't, there, there was this, it didn't have that same kind of real world feel. Yeah. Um, of that kind of predatory uh, nature, he was this kind of supernatural thing that's just kind of toying with people. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it's always just, you know, just a bit, you know, it's a bit <laughs> gross. <laughs> it, it is. I understand. I understand. And particularly, like, you know, uh, and we'll only touch this a little bit, but, but the fact that Freddy is essentially a child molester, um, but it's never really, apart from the remake, it's never really touches on that so much it's just kind of is a very kind of a background kind of thing um so it's never been quite that taboo i guess um and even in this one now like you know like we so we've had this attempted rape scene but we're quickly snapped away from that as jason then just goes on his killer rampage through the rave party so we're, we're shifting away from that very very quickly which you know is probably smart on the, mm. on the filmmaker's point of view, not to dwell yeah. too much on what's just happened um, and just kind of get straight into the, into the killing frenzy that Jason starts doing. And then obviously with that, this is where Freddie realizes that, yeah, my plan's not so good after all. Um, so we then get Will. Uh, so that's uh, Laurie's ex-boyfriend come still boyfriend character uh catching up with laurie and kia and there's two kind of other uh students who are called freeberg and lindemann um and they meet up with a guy called Stubbs, uh who's a bit of a another stoner dude uh and the group kind of then come up with a plan of how they're going to defeat freddie and jason um and they will basically the plan is is that they're going to take jason back to camp crystal lake and that's when Laurie will pull Freddy into the real world to fight Jason. And in the real world, Jason will be vulnerable and Jason at home in Crystal Lake will have home field advantage, as it says here. Um, and what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and then because he's back in home territory, he, won't, he will no longer terrorize kids in Springfield. <laughs> Is the plan? Yeah. Again, very, very, very half baked plan. Freddie basically uh, at this point. Oh yeah, this is where Freddie kills Mark. Um, so this is the uh, Will's friend. So he's the one that still remembers the stories of Freddie. So he was. Um, he's the one that kind of he's served his purpose. He's sowed that seed as much as he can. And because of it, Freddie can. Um, Freddie needs a kill at this point, so he's gone for an easy target, um, and he kills. Uh, he kills Mark, and uh, leaves a bloody message on the wall that basically says, "Freddie's back." Um, I believe it's a flaming message. That's right. He's, he's back. He's back. Catches on fire. So we get a little uh, uh, pyro pyromancy. Uh, 
yeah uh, coming in yeah 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 kind of, and a nice nice effects there as well from memory yeah or we're kind of left with what i think is the mm, like the kind of the whittled down group yeah. now who are like pretty pretty decent group i mean how do we all feel with this group of teams uh out of, uh, kind of the franchises that we've kind of gone through they're like okay, you know it's <laughs> not much ca- not much character no, no there's no, there isn't no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are very incredibly one-dimensional. Even the Will character, the token boyfriend's a bit bland. Uh, I mean, he's been in a mental hospital for the last couple of years, and you're going, "What's your backstory?" And it's like, "Oh, I don't have a backstory. I just got locked away." <laughs> just, just mm-hmm. yeah, for my own good. Um, yeah, so yeah, and yeah, it's interesting too, isn't it? Like, I kind of, I kind of dug. I mean, he's not in it long enough, but I kind of dug the 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 drug dude in it like he's the stubs mm-hmm. i kind of i thought oh he's i don't know i just liked i liked him he, he could have hung around a little bit longer than he did i guess he was surplus to requirements so um, yeah. Well, yeah. We get, yeah um but i mean and once, that's the because once, once he's dead oh uh, sorry the the yeah. uh with that kind of whittled down group the cop uh the the new rookie cop who yeah. uh who has been kind of uh our viewpoint into the kind of police situation um comes out of the shadows and and tells them um and us again uh who freddy krieger is you know what mm. what his whole deal is um uh and they kind of formulate their plan of 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 um uh getting drugs from western hill yes <laughs> the drug, the drug blockers. Yeah, because there's this thing called hypnosil, which it comes up in uh, Dream Warriors. So this is the stuff that Nancy was taking, and she gets the kids, oh, okay. Dream Warriors, to take, uh, and that's why I don't know how it comes into the storyline, but somehow that comes back into all, it. And that's how they know about all it. the kids. It's yeah, all the Western kids. Um, uh, uh, all the kids at oh, Western right. Hill are all doped up on it. Yeah, that's uh, right. And so yeah. they're like, oh, we we never dreamt when we were there. I haven't yeah. dreamt in years. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Thanks, Oscar. Yeah, that's the way in. So they realise that that might be the way to kind of to do it. Um, and obviously it all goes wrong and pear-shaped um, as uh, then uh, Jason stumbles into the, uh, the Western Hill as well. And this is where, actually, I quite like the death scene of Stubbs with the uh, electrocution thing. I thought that, that was kind of half decent, uh, killing off the, the Stubbs character. Um, and this is where we get the f- uh, first kind of bit of a confrontation between Freddy um, and Jason at which point. Uh, but then this is where someone, I forget which one it is, injects Jason with two vials of tranquilizer. I think it's uh, uh, Friedberg. Friedberg, yeah, I think it's, you're right. It's, it's our, it's our um, uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Jay kind of oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, rip-off. Yeah. It's the long hair beanie. It's Nazi's total vibe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it, that's it. Yeah, so he's able to uh, basically drug Jason, pass him out. Um, and this is when... Uh, in the meantime, but as he does so, Jason then basically killed <laughs> Freeberg before he passes out um, himself. So yeah, now we now we are getting down to like a nitty gritty, as you said, and um, we find ourselves back in Freddy's dream world. And this is where Jason realizes he was tricked, and he has to confront Freddy in Freddy's domain. And at first, uh, Freddy kind of thinks Jason um, isn't afraid of anything, 
because he has to find a the fear. He has to find what Jason is afraid of in order to kind of uh, manipulate him in his world, essentially. Um, but he does then find that there is something. There is this kind of um, he has the water, the fear of water. Yeah, um, yeah. it's all around you. Um, and then um, he basically kind of lures Jason back um, into when he was a child and, and reliving that moment of when he was drowning in the water at uh, Camp Crystal Lake. And, um, and then he starts to try and drown him in the process to try and kill, to kill off Jason. Uh, but before he does so, this is where Laurie has entered the dream world because she has also been put under from memory. They put her under. Yes. Um, and this is while they're, are they driving back with Jason in the yeah. car with them? They're in the, mi- they're in the mystery, the mystery machine. Mystery machine, that's right. That's That's right. Um, and uh, Freddie, uh, so what's happening? Yeah, so uh, this is where Laurie um, uh, appears in the dream world. She kind of interrupts the fight. And this is when Jason wakes up and he, whilst in the real world, and starts attacking the people in the van um, as they arrive at Crystal Lake. Um, Freddie's pissed off with Laurie, attempts to kill her, but um, um, before he does so, he actually kind of lets loose that, oh, he was the one that killed her mom. Um, and as he's doing his backstory, that's when she basically awakens and drags him into um, a, a burning cabin. Um, I don't remember that. Why is the cabin burning? Anyway. Um, it's, yeah, they, they've, they've brought them in. Jason's, I think Jason's chasing after them. Yeah. So it's as like Jason's busting oh. in is when she wakes up. That's and, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it may not be burning at this very moment. That might yeah. happen when uh, Freddie is brought through and him and Jason start start yeah. their fight. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. And so that's okay. And then um, I am leaping through this really quickly. But um, so Jason, yeah, this is where we get the uh, sort of the climax. But here we've had round one while they're in Freddie's world. Now they're in Jason's world at Camp Lake. Um, and they have um, another kind of um, fight. Um, and this is when... Uh, we find out that Freddie has the polar opposite fear, um, which is of fire, um, because he was burnt um, when he was... Uh, all the elements. Yeah, the elements, the, the opposite elements come flashing together. So um, with that, uh, the, Jason basically starts to kind of beat up on on Freddie, really kind of laying into him. And at this point, I don't know about you, at this point I was just like... Freddie is basically when he's not in dreamland where he can manipulate the, the surroundings, he he's Jason's bitch right now. Like he's, he's got nothing to, he, he can't come. He can't meet match him at all. He's just being pounded. He, he's, he's got a little, he's got a little Kung Fu. There's a little, he's still a little, <laughs> the Kung Fu moves. that was quite funny. Um, but that just made, that just made me like go, yeah, you're, you're fucked Freddie. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, Jason's just a is a is a shark with legs, basically. Yeah. he's just a killing machine, and so he's just this massive, like, killing mach- brawny killing machine. Yeah, you just don't fuck with Jason, basically. You <laughs> take the book and bring him down. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it takes at least it. teenage girls bring him down each time. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, like, so we have um, whilst the uh, the two icons are going head to head, this is where. Uh, who, so, who's left? We have got Laurie, Will, Kier, and Lindemann try to escape, mm. uh, but Lindemann is is kind of wounded, um, and he kind mm. of dies of his wounds. Oh yeah, Lindemann. That's right. I forgot. Mm. Bypassed him like in, in amongst it. Like so, Lindemann is. Um, is that uh, little nerdy? Yeah, yeah. Chris Marquette from um, The Girl Next Door um, yeah, and a bunch of other things as well. So he's always that kind of, yeah, nerdy kind of character. Yeah. Nerd, nerd, nerd with a heart, basically. Um, yeah, so kind of bypass him. Sorry, I forgot. But yeah, he's dead, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> not without showing some morals and sticking up for uh, Kia um, in amongst it. And, um, nice one, nerd. Yeah, and Kia kind of realizes that she may have misjudged this Lindemann. Hmm. But yeah, so Lindemann has died, and Kia then tries to save Laurie and Will from Freddy. And there's that whole uh, bit where she goes, You ain't nothing. But yeah, talking about his, yeah, his junk, your legs, you know, yeah, yeah, he's talking about his little penis, and, yeah, so like, um, which, which kind of made me go, relevance, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it feels like, it feels like a of the period, um, like, uh, 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 kind of bad stand up comedian, uh, kind of, it's, it's like they're having like a slam battle, yeah, um, yeah. Of them, you know, your mum is so fat, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your dick's she, so calls thin, him, uh, she calls him a faggot at this point too, doesn't she? Like, Oh, uh, yeah. So yes. the, yep. the gay slander thing comes out as well, which was a bit... Yeah. So there's... Oh. I, I know this has been quite a taboo moment um, for this film. Like, a lot of people have kind of slammed, slammed that particular scene. Um, and, I, and I get why, you know. we have, Obviously, we had the rapey scene earlier on, but this one's probably a bit more... Um, confronting in its um, archaic views. Um, mm. so, well. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, if if it, yeah, and I feel like like watching this movie, that you know, you, you're reminded of being like, oh yeah, that's that was like that was a was thing. Just, that, <laughs> that was a thing. But also, yeah. but also, it it kind of has no teeth in it because I'm not, you know, I'm not against against any of these taboo things being in movies yeah. but 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 you know they they need a reason yeah, and, yeah. you know it's not, it's not just when they're kind of lazily thrown in where you're like why is why is she called like what <laughs> like what, what, what the- yeah <laughs> yes yeah. i know and it's lame but anyway she gets killed so it doesn't matter as um <laughs> as jason crops up and uh you know takes another one which uh which again pisses freddie off and um, so she's down and out for the equation. Freddie and Jason, like, yeah, so they continue their kind of fight. And this is where um, Laurie decides that she's going to stay until Freddie's dead so that she can, you know, so that they basically, she's still trying to stick to their plan. Freddie um, seems, as again, as I said earlier, it seems to be no match for Jason's kind of power. He's being kind of beaten left, right and center, really quite heavily wounded. Um, and Jason actually has, is quite is quite fast in the way he's attacking uh, Freddie, despite the fact that, as we, you mentioned, Miles, he lumbers. But he's been quite brutal in his savagery beating of Freddie here. 
during their fight, this is where Lorien will then find these. <laughs> oh, look, these gas tanks that are lying around at the docks uh, <laughs> that we can use to kind of kill both Freddy and Jason in, in one go. Um, and that's when uh, we we get uh, a bit of a confrontation. Jason gets uh, his fingers, four of his fingers sliced off, and I think uh, his eyes. One of his eyes get gouged, I want to say. Yeah, his, his whole arm gets cut off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And the fire then starts to spread from, you know, their attempt to try and burn them. And this is when Jason, yes, Jason rips off Freddy's arm with the claws. And then Freddy grabs his own dismembered arm and uses it to stab Jason's heart mm. um, with the machete. He plunks off. Yeah, he plunks off into the water and yeah. we just have uh, Freddie left uh, on the pier with Laurie. Yeah. Um, and this is where, uh, but there is a big, there's an explosion, isn't it, that sends them into both in the lake first mm. um, from the explosion of the gas tanks. And then Freddie then comes back. He attempts to kill Laurie with Jason's machete. Um, and uh, Jason basically then comes back out of the water for his last Attack, stabbing Freddy with his own gloved claw. Glove, yes. <laughs> and then they fall into uh, Crystal Lake. Um, yeah, back again. They go back into the water again. Anyway, Laurie picks up Jason's machete while Freddy's then kneeling on the deck, helpless. She shouts at him, "Welcome to my world, bitch!" Uh, and then uses the machete to behead Freddy and throws the machete into the water. Um, uh, at which point I had this vision of like, you know, um, Jason's hand leaping out like a lady in the lake from Excalibur yeah. stories uh, to, to grab the machete. Didn't happen. But it, yeah. it <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so basically he, he does get hold of the machete though and he sinks, Jason basically sinks under the water and uh, Lorian will kind of leave. But then we still get um, the end end where the next morning Jason rises from the water carrying his machete and Freddy's severed head, which then turns to the camera, smirks, winks at the audience before laughing, um, leaving at this point the winner a bit ambiguous. Um, I felt that was a bit tacked on um, for the sake of trying to level the playing field because, let's face it, as we've already said, Jason just whipped Freddy's ass pretty Mm. much there. And I think they had to, but then like, so a lot of people have questioned whether or not that meant that they were real, always in Freddy's world the whole time and not mm-hmm. in reasons. Anyway, but that's where we left on and, and it's uh, a way to kind of bow out. So with that, all that in mind, I did just try and kind of lump all that kind of last climactic kind of last act very quickly. I had to rattle through that. Uh, most of uh, the listeners out there have hopefully already listened to the or watched the film before, so they kind of know the gist of it. So, um, what what is your take on the the actual kind of climactic kind of encounters between these two? Um, like we've already said that Jason pretty much was owning Freddie. Do do you think there was an, in hindsight was it an even matched fight or or was it a bit bit? Meh? What do we stand? I mean, they tried to make it look like an even match, mm. but um, I mean, it's clearly it was Jason's. Yeah. Daddy. You know, you're in Jason's territory here, and yeah. so 
that was uh, now I was I, I mean, and this is the best part about the film. The the rest of the film was just a whole lot of you know bullshit exposition that we've seen about a million times before in nine hours. And, you know, it almost bordered on the never-ending story, you know. <laughs> it just appears. So, yeah. So, yeah, we were just waiting for the big climax to happen and then it was just a kick-ass fight, basically, between yeah. the two. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so... I mean, if you yeah. liken it to like, uh, obviously in the real world, when we have big heavyweight kind of boxers kind of, or mm. UFC fighters kind of matching up what, to one another, that's kind of essentially what we're looking at here. We're, we've got two champions in their own field. Um, yeah, like Alien versus Predator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, maybe that's a good point. Like, So if we, Alien versus Predator, I forget when that actually came out now, but that... 2004... Okay, so yeah, after this one, yeah. I think okay. so. Yeah. So this Alien versus Predator fell flat on its face um, in a big way. Does do you feel like Freddy versus Jason? Because I thought that was a good film. Really? <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, don't I remember know. it being a good film. I don't know. Maybe I was just completely stoned when I watched it. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> you know, could every be. film's a good film when you're stoned. That's true. That's I th- true. I th- I think Alien versus Predator Predator is a better matchup. Um, yeah. Than than these two because both yeah. of both of these two characters are stalkers and pick off their preys one by one. They're like we haven't really we don't particularly get the kind of fights uh, like head to head fights mm. um, that we have you know in the in their other kind of respective movies. And I feel like with because it's a, it's it's pretty long. We kind of we've been waiting for it yeah. the whole kind of time, and and I have no idea how they could have done it, but like you know, I feel like we we needed more kind of them glancing off each other throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, because yeah. with this one, yeah, you're like Jason's probably going to win, even though they're like, oh, he's you know now mm. Freddy's uh, uh, throwing, uh, yeah, he's, he's he's cutting the the gas canisters and shooting them like. Uh, yeah. Missiles at him, and yeah, yeah. There's, there's lot, lots of set pieces. Yes, of like is. this is what the fight is now, and this is what the fight is now, and this is what it is now, and yeah, kind of constantly, kind of shifting. It feels like a really kind of big, drawn out boss battle, video game boss battle that keeps yeah. on shifting yeah. different, different little locations within the same space. Yeah, yeah. It's well, that's, that's essentially what it is, though, isn't it? Like, I, I like yeah. your comparison there because it is, it really is like this whole kind of uh, big boss battle that's coming up that you get in uh, in your video games and stuff so like but I, I feel like like you were saying Oscar it doesn't there isn't enough uh prior levels in the final mm. matchup for it to have service I always think of um you know Bruce Lee's the big boss you know like in that mm-hmm. world where like they slow he slowly has to work his way up to the big boss you know it, it needs something like that to kind of occur and i even think that that would be a cool way to do a new uh, and they are obviously doing a new texas chainsaw massacre but i kind of like the idea and I've, i think i've mentioned it in the previous podcast but i kind of like the idea of uh doing a leather face film without you knowing it's a leather face film until the climax so, like, we mm. kind of get introduced to the rest of the family before they kind of, you know, go head to head and and kill each other off, um, and get to and then do the reveal of Leatherface. So, with that in mind, like, do, could could we ever see 
would you ever see any of the other slasher icons coming head to head? Do you think any of the other elements would have worked or was this the best option to go with? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I'll leave that one well, down. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Ash, I think Ash Williams. I mm. think I think you need a character like that. Yeah. You yeah. need you need you need a a, a, he, a hero of a horror film in sure. with those villains. Uh because then you know, we would care about Ash. Uh, so much more than we'd care about these people. Yeah, because um, they which are. Yeah. Which, which is what you need. Yeah, you did. You need. You needed somebody to come in. Like, even if it was like, you know, I mean, I don't mean the actual cop character they use, but if it was told from the cop's point of view as this stuff's happening, that would have been kind of interesting. Mm. Um, and that would have been the way into it, um, possibly. But obviously, then you lose the teen kind of satisfaction, kind of titillation element. Yeah, it, it bodes quest- a lot of thought around it. So, look, I, I'm, I'm aware that we're kind of um, coming quickly to the end of our record. So um, I'm just going to kind of rattle off a couple of things that I picked up um, on StatWise, and then I'll ask your opinions of the film at the end and whether you'd recommend it. So the other thing I was just going to mention is that apparently Betsy Palmer was originally um, offered the role to reprise Pamela Voorhees, but she turned it down because the role was too small. There was uh, Catherine Isabel was uh, had a no nudity clause in there, which Ronnie Yu tried to make her do anyway, um, but she kind of went, um, "Excuse me, read the fine print, you bastard!" And so there was a bit of conflict on set uh, between director and Catherine, uh, quite understandably. Um, there was, as I said, the fact that uh, oh, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but no Kane Hodder for me, I think was was a bit of a bad choice, personally. I didn't like the stature, all due respect to Ken Kersinger, uh, who plays Jason in this. And they, the reason they did it is because they wanted Jason to be bigger. Um, and Kane's height wasn't quite up there. But he just didn't have that brawn and physique. So for me, it didn't, didn't quite work, unfortunately. Um, apparently, Rob Zombie was offered to direct it. Um, but he said, I'm going to do House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, apparently Brad Renfro was originally cast as Will, um, and that fell through. Um, and Kia, Monica Kina said, uh, when she read the screenplay, she thought it was shit, uh, but she signed off anyway <laughs> for the money. Um, and apparently also Jason Bateman was originally touted to play Tommy Jarvis as a, a different kind of angle that they were going to go with, uh, for that one at one point in the, um, with the resurrection of that. And the last thing probably to mention is that Bob Shea crops up. Um, so he's been the, you know, the face of New Line uh, Entertainment. Um, he was the, as Oscar and I have discussed in the past, you know, New Line is the house that uh, Freddie built. And he crops up as the principal um, and a, doing a cameo role in that, which I thought was a nice touch. So mm. just ramming through a load of stats there just to fire off the bill. So let's cut to the chase. Um, Freddy versus Jason. I'm going to go with Oscar first. Did you enjoy the film? Uh, <laughs> I would say probably not really. Ooh, okay. Not, not I. I uh, definitely not as much as when I first watched it. I found. I think I found the the kind of the exposition sludge kind of a bit too thick for me to really move through. Sure. And um, the end fight for me 
didn't really wasn't really kind of satisfying enough um to to kind of really uh justify it for me even though that i would still you know i think i think there's some really good looking shots in this movie mm. um some some really kind of like cool visuals as well as some not good special effects occasionally yeah um but for me it's it's uh yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a weaker yeah it's, the, it's maybe the strongest of the weak films <laughs> okay okay um yeah I, I see where you're going with that one cool all right so uh firing the same question back to you miles where did you stand with it did you enjoy it I, I remember enjoying it the first time I saw it, and then yeah. I think it was a bit of a task to get for it this se- uh, second time. It's only yeah. the second time I've seen it. Uh, admittedly, I, I watched it. I, I watched it a little while ago, like um, uh, so. I was watching it on the train around, uh, sort of the just before they 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 called the lockdown. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was sort of paranoid and what, what, uh, paranoid for one that I was watching. I was waiting for the nudity to happen. Yes. And so because I like flick through it on the on, on, so I'm watching it on my phone on the train. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to think I'm watching some porno. And and then two, I'm like paranoid because there was a girl sneezing on the other side of the train. I was like, all right, I'm I'm fucking dying. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. Uh. So I think that was more scary than watching the actual movie itself. Um. Yeah. Look, it was a bit of a task, and I, I remember you know just like waiting for the the best bit which was the fight at the end yeah pretty much pretty unsatisfied by that too yeah yeah i think you're right about kane hodder though i think there was just no there was no character no you know there was such a physicality that he brought to physical uh like acting that he brought to the the jason character i think so like he he has a knack of acting behind the mask So, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, some guys who can can do mass theater and mass, and then there's other guys who just sort of wander around with a mask on. Mm. And I felt this guy just wandered around with a mask on. Yeah, that's that's uh, what I felt. Yeah, he was brought in for his physique rather than adding any kind of personality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just swinging, which was a shame. Which was a shame. Okay, um, we're as I say, we're kind of fast bound out of time. So, would you recommend it to Miles to anyone who hasn't seen it? Probably not. <laughs> nice. um, and, and Oscar, would you recommend it? Only if you've watched all the others. Okay, you have to go. You have to sacrifice the the journey for that for that kind of meetup. If Ooh. if if you're yeah, that deep, if you're that if you're deep, that deep that's true. you might as well. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And that's kind of what we've both done. Like all well, all three of us have done. We've been on that journey. Yeah, we've yeah. gone down that road, and and this is the end result. So, yeah, interesting times. So. Um, it, I don't know, it bodes well. I think it's dated, like like I think you were saying that, Oscar, I think it's dated incredibly. And I think, unfortunately, on reviewing it, it, it doesn't hold up. Some of the tongue-in-cheek stuff does work. Some of the fight sequences nearly hit the mark. But the overall journey just, I think, um, it, unfortunately, Freddy versus Jason dies out on a whimper. There you go. I think that's our consensus on this. And um, it's about kind of right for us to bow out on this podcast um, and cast us your thoughts and views. Are we kind of completely off the, off the track? Did you still love the film? Do you still think it rates? Did you love that journey and the matchup between these two slasher icons? Until then, keep listening to the Citizens of Horror team as we dissect and discuss classic horror films, both old and new, and stick around for our discussions on the new Nightmare on Elm Street 
remake, um, which uh, came out in 2010. And we're going to have a little look at that one too, to bow out the series. Until then, I'm your host, Saul Muerte, and I was joined by Oscar Jack and Miles Davies. Nice to be here. Hey. Uh... Goodbye. You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Music supplied by Peter Nezik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites for the latest news and updates.